The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And this is Dylan. And welcome to episode 30. No one expected we would make it this far, least of all me. But here we are. Everybody rumored no one believed. (laughs) (laughs) Don't call it a comeback. We ain't never left! So, in keeping with our tradition for our our 10-episode milestones, we're going to be giving y'all another taste of the writer's room, in which we take a video game or a video game franchise and try to figure out how best to adapt it into a non-interactive media, into something that we as actors have a little bit more stake in actually talking about. And we've got a kind of wild one for you this week. We're going to be talking about Final Fantasy. Yeah. Not necessarily any particular Final Fantasy, although we might, like, if we stumble upon something from, like, one entry in particular where it's like, oh, this would be a cool thing to dig into, we might... But rather looking at, like, this is a a game franchise that has spawned, what, 20 or so games overall? So... Because numerically we're through 15. We have the main 15. Then there's X2. Yeah, then there's the... Yeah, there's the sequel. So we got X2, uh, 13, 2, and 3. 4 has a sequel. We have the compilation of FF7, which has, you know, a couple more games. So over 20... And then uh, we've got Crystal Chronicles, we've got uh, Tactics. Like we, this... we have various Final Fantasy games that weren't Final Fantasy in Japan, but were rebranded as Final Fantasy so they would sell well. Yeah, like this this <laughs> franchise has been a lot of different games, and each game has had a pretty distinct story. And so rather than look at, like, how would we do a Final Fantasy One movie? Or how would we do a Final Fantasy Eight movie? We're gonna Chris look is putting at putting it in my hands to try to find something, some commonality among all <laughs> of these. I'm gonna games. help. I haven't played all of them, but I've played a fair number, and I've funnily I've spent more time on like the weird off like offshoot games than the main Final Fantasy titles. As you do. We're gonna try and figure out like what is it, if anything, like what are what is the connective tissue between all these games? And what is the best way to take like, the reason that this franchise is popular and adapt that into a different medium of sorts. We already spent a good amount of time last episode talking about Final Fantasy VII, so we can probably leave that one alone at least for the start, but the Final Fantasy series is wild. The first game is, like, basically just... It's not D&D, but it's very, like, it's a tabletop RPG. It's, It's a tabletop RPG by way of, like, elements of Star Wars. Yeah. Well, not quite, not quite yet, but it's yeah, it, it it is very old school, like whatever you whatever you think of when you think '80s high fantasy. Slay um, the dragon and stop the dark wizard. Yeah, um, basically that is and you that pick, is the you know, first Final Fantasy. There's not characters. There's you pick a party of roles. So you pick at the beginning of the game. 
I want my party to have a black mage and a white mage and a fighter and a thief or whatever other combination you want to make it up. And then those characters that you choose wander and save the world. And it started there and it's moved to like grand sweeping epics and like diesel punk dystopias and very character oriented stories you and your four best high school friends driving across the country (laughs) in a convertible in the most recent game in the series and like that in and of itself is fascinating and like we could probably do an episode looking at like how franchises evolve and like how you know when something with something like final fantasy or certain uh certain games in, like, the Zelda franchise, when they've done big changes, like, how do they change while keeping things the same enough to still be recognizable? Yeah. But for right now, we're going to spend at least the first little bit of this trying to figure out, like, what is that connective tissue between Um, all of these different weird disparate games? So this will actually be very easy because, especially when you've played as many games in the series that I have, like, you're pretty quick to... uh identify what the uh, connective tissue is. Well, then elucidate us, master. Okay. So, you you have, like, two basic pillars of Final Fantasy, and they, they were established in the uh, first two games. Uh, the first one is uh, preserving nature or reverting nature back to a state where it is better. Uh, the, the first Final Fantasy game is about how the world is ending. It's just slowly dying. The wind has stopped. Uh, the oceans no longer have life in them. Yada, yada, yada. Um, and so what your job is, is you, you create a party of four warriors of light, and you basically control them, and you try to take these crystals and restore these crystals to their full potential. Um, and each one represents like one of the four elements of alchemy, so fire, water earth and wind and you know you do that and you save the world also there's a final boss don't worry about it um (laughs) because it's a game yeah the second pillar is rebellion so final fantasy 2 is you know very star wars inspired you you control a party of three characters with the fourth one kind of alternating based on the story um and they are they're essentially it, it's it's very straightforward. Uh, there is an emperor. He's evil. You defeat him. Final Fantasy Two is also cool in that once you kill the emperor, he comes back as the ruler of hell. Because I guess no. when he died, he was such a bad motherfucker that he was like, "All right, cool. I have a new empire now." <laughs> um, and then there's a bonus campaign in the remakes of Two where you play as like all the party members that have died uh, during your main campaign. And That's rad. they're in the Hang afterlife, on. and they run into the goodness of the Emperor, and he became God, and you're like, okay, but still fuck you when you kill him in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. I've but... never even touched Final Fantasy 2. <laughs> it's, uh, so Final Fantasy 13 and 15 have, like, controversial, like, love it or hate it uh, fan bases, right? I think 2 is the only one that is almost universally regarded as a bad game. <laughs> it has its fans. Um, and, you know, I've played a little bit of it. I don't think it's, like, terrible, terrible. But, like, it is the only one where I think you could ask most Final Fantasy fans and they'll be like, oh, yeah, not great. 
<laughs> Final Fantasy games, for whatever reason, the first five games alternate between this, like, you're fighting the Empire, you're restoring the world, you're fighting the Empire, you're restoring balance, uh, and replenishing the world. And then, basically, starting with 6, and more or less every game since then, with, like, some exceptions here or there, have combined the two, where you are trying to restore the world using crystals. Crystals are almost always involved yep. while fighting off the evil Empire. Um, I think... This is most blatant in Final Fantasy VII, ironically enough. Where yeah, you I are, mean, that game begins with you as an eco-terrorist. Yeah, instead of an empire, you're fighting a corporation that is basically bought a uh, political office. Um, but they are oil tycoons for all intents and purposes, except instead of oil, it is the planet's lifeblood. The planet core. The planet core. Um, but yeah, no, they are killing the planet literally like directly with uh an energy source so yeah uh that that's final fantasy in a nutshell again like you know you could point to final fantasy 8 and be like that's not really about rebellion and the empire is like such a side note in the story <laughs> and you'd be right final fantasy 10 doesn't really have a empire but like there's this colossal force of nature deity that destroys the world and a character you can has rebel to... against that yeah well, I mean, like, they they futz with it a little bit. Like, sometimes it's like, there's not an empire in ten. It's actually a corrupt religious organization. And instead of the world dying, it is a deity that comes out every ten years to oppress the people. But, like, you know, for the most part, like, this, this is the core of what Final Fantasy is about. Yeah, and it does not need to be note for note in every game. But that's a, a good starting point. And I think the other thing that's interesting to look at is, like, why are the games fun to play? Well, the games all the way from the beginning have been sort of about, like, the main gameplay is has been turn-based combat. They've started to do more with real-time elements. Action-oriented, yeah. But there's still a heavy emphasis on, like, party management, on a group of heroes mm -hmm. doing things together. And you as the player... You have to create a synergy between all of the characters yeah optimizing and in the best cases that you know you as the player having to create mechanical synergy corresponds with a story about these characters coming together as characters and coming to like each other and work together better yeah um i'm thinking of how much nobody in final fantasy 12 likes being around each other at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, that's that's actually a pretty good i mean like you know you have some of them that like being with well, yeah, the, but like, they're they're plus one. Uh, but, you know, at the beginning, like one of the characters has to bribe two of the other characters to stay in the party. Yeah. Think in Star Wars how like really until Star Wars Episode six in the main trilogy, like nobody there, there's still elements of like we don't really like that we have to be cooped up with each other on this adventure <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, isn't, like, always the case, but, like, you know, I, I think if Final Fantasy, especially starting with, um, let's go with 6, uh, does that really well, where, like, each character, actually starting with 4, excuse me, each character is kind of, has their own agency, uh, they're no longer blank slates that you pick and mash together, and they all have their own agendas and are traveling to, uh, together for, like, their own personal goals, I, I, yeah, I think Star Wars is, like, a pretty good starting point for that. All, all Final Fantasy games, like, they have their own established, uh... I don't want to say, like, 
canon or like lore or anything but like there are trademarks that each game has how do you mean so so like you know chocobos for example fair um, enough just yeah. like you know recurring like mascots and stuff like there is an animal in final fantasy called the chocobo that's basically a horse-sized chick it's it's a it's a giant yellow bird and they are used as mounts and that has appeared in every final fantasy game since two uh there are also moogles which you know, sometimes they're not in, sometimes they are, but, like, they're pretty iconic. And so, you little, know, little I... teddy bear-looking motherfuckers that sell you shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I think a huge part of Final Fantasy is its iconography and the brand, I guess, is the best My way brand. to put it. Uh, because, you know, more than anything else, more than, like, a series, more than a series of games, I think Final Fantasy really takes pride in its ubiquity as a brand. Yeah, and that is a delightful segue to the elephant in the room. We're talking about, like, how do you do a good Final Fantasy adaptation? Because there are, There like are five. some Final Fantasy adaptations, and they're not good. Yeah, let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> um, we don't need to, like, go deep on bashing these things, but, like... Yeah, no, I, I, think I, I do for... need to talk about, like, why each of these movies have failed in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and that'll help us to get to, like, all right, well, how do we sidestep these pitfalls in this, you know, fake spec script that we're filling out to email to Square Enix and be like, hey, hire us. Let's let's talk about this. Okay, so l let's start with, like, the, the most basic. There are five adaptations of Final Fantasy. I'm only going to talk about three of them because the other two are anime OVAs. And I just don't remember... I, I've only seen one of them, and I don't remember a lot about it. So there, there are three theatrical movies uh, for Final Fantasy. There is The Spirits Within, that was released in, like, 2001, I want to say. Uh, there is Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, which is a sequel to the original Final Fantasy VII that came out in, like, 2005. And then there's Final Fantasy XV Kingsglaive, which is a prequel to Final Fantasy XV that came out... In 2015, I want to say. And so, if y'all these... want to know, to just like take a moment to appreciate how far we've come, Google image search the poster for Final Fantasy, the film from 2001. Uh, the Spirits Within. The Spirits Within. It is not a pretty poster. It. I was I was telling Chris this before we started the episode. It reeks of graphic design is my passion. <laughs> Um, I don't know, I don't know how they greenlit that, like, <laughs> Final Fantasy, like, because, like, I, I say this because Final Fantasy has some amazing cover art, but yeah, uh, let, let, let's talk about the pitfalls of each of these movies. The original Final Fantasy movie, The Spirits Within, I believe, like, the, the original director of Final Fantasy had a huge hand in the making of this, but, like, when you watch it, it, it does not resemble, like, anything Final Fantasy at all. From what I remember, I've only seen bits and pieces of it on TV, but one of the common complaints I get is, like, there are no, there's nothing, like, there's no Final Fantasy iconography, there aren't any Chocobos, there aren't any Moogles, I don't even really think they cast magic, it's it's not even really a fantasy game. In the early, in the late 90s, early 2000s, Final Fantasy did start to, like, lean into sci-fi a little bit, but, like, still had elements of fantasy yeah it was it, it was, was a, it was a science fantasy franchise yeah spirits see like, is just like see like straight... all the 
it's straight science fiction. Like they're, it's like a post-apocalyptic Earth. Like they're space marines and they're fighting like these weird like alien ghosts. Yep. And it's... like, here's the thing: there's nothing wrong with experimenting with a franchise and with like trying to do something different. But when you're working from a series with as much clout as Final Fantasy, it's a really weird choice to not use any of that iconography and not use any of those like easy visual visual touchstones to ground it in that world, even just for fan service. Like that's a yeah. weird, weird filmmaking choice. Yeah. Man, I, I really don't get like what what the intent was behind because uh starting with final fantasy 7 but especially with final fantasy 8 uh the series became really well known for its cinematics so i get the idea there where it's like well why don't we take like the cinematic prowess that we've been building up put a bigger budget into it and make something like hollywood worthy i get that that's cool yeah but but like i just i remember the movie being kind of slow and dull but like even ignoring that just like nothing about it what like resembled the series it came from uh and i i don't i don't want to dwell too long on this because like we i i basically touched the the big thing uh but you guys should know that this movie almost tanked to the company and if square software didn't merge with enix to create square enix we probably wouldn't have any more final fantasy games (laughs) because like that game that movie almost tanked the company just real rough yeah Next movie is Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. A sequel to Final Fantasy VII takes place two years after. Um, this movie has some good ideas. Uh, after the events of Final Fantasy VII, there is an illness that has spread throughout the world. And for all intents and purposes, it is terminal. And so Cloud has this illness. And on top of this, like one of the kids, like him and uh, his friend Tifa, like they are looking after a couple kids. One of them has this illness as well. And on top of this, Cloud has to deal with uh, the death of a certain ally, uh, the death of a certain couple allies uh, that he has experienced in his past. And so, like, there's this overwhelming feeling of hopelessness that he has. And so he's basically tackling his depression for, like, most of the movie. And that's a really interesting idea for a film. Yeah. Like, let's, let's follow this hero after all the grand adventures he's had yeah, in and the like aftermath of all of his loss on top of that. Yeah. However, <laughs> <laughs> Final Fantasy seven is a boring movie, but not because nothing happens. It's a boring movie because too much is happening and you just check out. Um, <laughs> that's actually, okay. So that's half correct. Final Fantasy sevens Advent children has the problem where like there is a status quo uh, but, like, most of what happens in between Final Fantasy VII and Advent Children is covered in, like, two short stories that was released in Japanese. I don't know when it was translated in English, but uh, it you wouldn't know if you just bought the DVD and started watching it. <laughs> so already, you you don't have the context for, who's this new kid that's living with Cloud and Tifa? What is this disease? Um... I don't even think, like, it's revealed that Cloud has this disease until uh, a third of the way through the movie. You don't have the context for, like, Cloud's depression. On top of that, like, most of the runtime that should be devoted for, like, character building and arcs and just... 
you know, things that you do in a movie. Yeah, you know, narrative storytelling. <laughs> narrative. Uh, the the movie has like three new antagonists, and most of it is just like fight scenes between the various Final Fantasy VII cast and them. Um, and that is most of the movie. It's just fight scene after fight scene after fight scene, and there's there's no real breakdown or dissection of these characters. Great. <laughs> so it has like it has like no substance. And so, like, this this movie actually kind of, like, it seriously damaged FF7's reputation because, like, people kind of just remember it as that mopey game. Because, like, Cloud is depressed in Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, but with no real context as to why, or, like, any real sign of, like, a struggle with the character. So everyone just kind of assumed that's just how Cloud was. Even though in Final Fantasy VII, he's not at all. He's he's a dork and a goofball, but, like, he's, no one... He's an absolute goof who's trying to be way more of an edgelord than he is. Yeah. that That's Final Fantasy VII Advent Children's Pitfall. Final Fantasy... Oh, man. I... Chris, I'm sorry, Ooh, you might Dylan, have to do some... Dylan, we gonna get into it? Uh, you, we, you might have to do some editing, buddy, because this I... movie... This, this movie is, like, not great on its own merit. But like when you when you look at it in the greater context of what Final Fantasy fifteen is, it is infuriating. Oh no! So, so I I know that you already had mixed feelings about Final Fantasy fifteen. I and I still do, but at the end of the day, I like Final Fantasy fifteen. Okay. I think I think it has some serious problems, but I like it. Oh God, where do I even <laughs> start? Final Fantasy. 15. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So I, I, I don't mean for this to just be Dylan talks about how much lost potential the series has. Well, it because will we be. Because we gonna, still we're have to talk this. about the writer's room. <laughs> Final Fantasy fifteen is fine, honestly. I, I actually quite like the game. Um, I think it gets super rushed near the end, which is a shame because, like, the, the first couple hours when it's just you hanging out with your buds is really fun. But let's talk about uh, the original vision for Final Fantasy XV. So for people who don't know, Final Fantasy XV, the characters, the world, and concept, we, uh, we as uh, Final Fantasy fans, the royal we, have known about <laughs> since 2006. Yeah, that game was in development for a long fucking time. That that the game itself was in development only for five years, but we'll we'll talk. That's about still that. a long development cycle. It's actually about par for a lot of JRPGs. I, oh, really? I've noticed like uh, not just JRPGs. Uh, Metal Gear Solid Five was in development for five years. Dragon Quest Eleven was in development for five years. Um, it looks like Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to be in development for about as long, as well yeah. as Kingdom Hearts Three has been in development for five years. It's it's kind of sad that that is the state of like AAA development cycles, especially for these large scale Japanese games. Yeah, it's wild because like there's that standard, but then there's also like, well, we're putting out a new Assassin's Creed. Every year. Yeah, I don't know how they do that. Like, I'm assuming an inhospitable work environment. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> That's my guess. Oh boy. But anyway, uh, so Final Fantasy Versus 13 is what the original uh, title for Final Fantasy 15 was. It was going to be a it was going to be a PS3 game uh, led by Kingdom Hearts director Tetsuya Nomura, and it was. You know, it was it was going to be a new project. It was going to be Nomura's 
basically a Kingdom Hearts game without, like, the Disney elements, and uh, Nomura would be able to, like, really kind of tell his own story. And so that was exciting for a Square Enix fan back in 2006. Um, and so we, we got trailers of this prince sitting on a throne, and there was opera music playing, and he was fighting this empire out, uh, like, that had invaded his home country. And, you know, the more footage we saw of that, I, I won't get too much into, like, the gameplay details, but, like, in terms of story, uh, it, it had its own specific flavor. And I, the most important thing to take away from this is that this prince was here, and he was trying to fight this empire out of his out of the capital of his home. So, time passes, uh, Nomura's team has to help out with uh, 13 and a bunch of other projects, so the game never really got off of its feet in the way it should have. Um, and so, unfortunately, the project versus 13 gets cancelled, and Nomura, like, they, they decide to rebrand it re and release it for the PS4 as Final Fantasy 15. So, that means, like, a new engine, new assets, like... They're basically starting over from scratch. And Nomura gets taken off the project, and he's replaced with another director, uh, Tabata. I won't I won't compare one project, one director with the other. That's not what this episode is about. But um it it was definitively different, both in tone. When when Final Fantasy XV really started showing us stuff, it was less about like this prince fighting with his friends to liberate his capital. Uh, they're already out of the capital, and they are on a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about that uh, when once I talk about the plot of this movie. I gotta keep going. The tone is very different, and they decide to announce that Final Fantasy Fifteen is basically its own brand. It has uh like its own. They they're already like you're getting merchandise. You're getting a prequel anime series. You're getting a movie prequel, and so, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So like they 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 wanted this game to be its own like franchise, uh, cause I guess like that's how they have to get the returns or something, um, yeah. because each 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 Final Fantasy is like supposed to be huge in scope scope, but now like development costs are so big that they can't do everything in one game, which is why Final Fantasy VII is being released in multiple parts. <laughs> and, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> So I didn't realize this was going to be such a harmful episode for your brain. <laughs> I I wasn't expecting this either. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um. So Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> <laughs> you know they they have the OVA Brotherhood, which is basically the backstory of the main character Noctis and all of his friends. Because unlike other Final Fantasy games, where the party comes together during the course of the story. Uh, Final Fantasy XV does this interesting thing where they are all friends by the time the story starts. Um, they're, they've known each other for years. Uh, some of them uh, since the main character's childhood, some of them since high school. And, you know, this prequel anime was to uh, Brotherhood was to kind of show the characters and how they came to know each other and how they won each other's respect. Sure. And, you know, that's cool, that's fine. I'd like to see it in the game, but, like, you don't need to see it to appreciate these characters and their chemistry. The other thing is fucking Final Fantasy Kingsglaive, which is the movie that we'll be talking about now. Sorry it took so long. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, I, I hope your editing magic makes this more listenable, Chris. I'll cut it down. <laughs> but 
Final Fantasy Kingsglaive, the basic plot of it is there is the king, uh, the main character's father of this kingdom, and this movie is about his personal royal guard. And so the basic plot synopsis of this movie, I'm sorry, I know I'm getting real deep into this movie, but uh, the basic plot is that the Empire shows up because they're, they're fighting off the Empire. They decide to do a standstill and say, all right, here's the deal. Under our territory, we have, we have the Kingdom of Tenebrae, and so we will, we will take the, the princess of this kingdom. Um, she will have an arranged marriage between her and the prince of uh, Lucius, I think is the name of the main kingdom. And everything will be hunky-dory. Uh, this, is, this is a piece of course it ends out it turns out that like this is a trap and they're really just trying to lower the kingdom's defenses and then the empire invades and instead of that ga- opening gameplay segment that we wanted which was uh from the early early trailers of you playing as this prince trying to escape the kingdom as it's being taken over also trying to fight out the the people there is a new main character who is only the main character of this particular movie who is doing all those things. And, man, like, he has his own story, but, like, it's not particularly interesting, and anything interesting that would have come from that story doesn't really land, because, like Advent Children, by the end of the movie, it becomes an extended, like, action set piece. Uh, But without the narrative heft that you need to sustain. Yeah, like, it's one thing if, like, this was a segment you were playing, you know, like, what was originally intended. But, like, it's a movie that you are sitting and are a passive audience member of. So it just becomes, like, I'm fighting these enemies. I'm fighting these enemies. Here's a boss fight. And then the main character dies at the end of the movie, so just specifically so that we don't need to worry about writing him into the game proper. Um, And then it cuts... I guess, like, the king sensed the trap or whatever, so he sent uh, the main character Noctis and his friends out ahead of time. So they think that they are going to the other kingdom for this wedding. And so, like, at the post credit stinger is the very beginning of Final Fantasy XV, where they are already on the road, um, and their car breaks down. Ah, oh, man, I have a lot of strong feelings about this <laughs> fucking movie, if you couldn't tell. yeah. But I think it, what we've got so far is that just basically all of these attempted adaptations are missing some element of what we've discussed as, like, the core tenets of this franchise. Yeah. Like, so Final Fantasy VII's problem, sequel's problem, was that, like, basically uh, the, the last two movies I talked about, their problem was, like, because they are a sequel and a prequel respectively, like, there is a lot of background knowledge that they're assuming you already know, even if you don't either because you haven't played the game or you haven't played the game in a while or you haven't read like the two or three novels that give context to the story. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So there's a lack of like accessibility, but then also because they're prequels and sequels and they're more concerned with being add-on content, they're frequently touching on to these characters either before or after the most interesting parts of their stories happen. Yeah. And so they're just sort of filling time, and you so you don't get that character development aspect that we talked about. And frequently, it sounds like they're also sort of there's 
the big thing that is being rebelled against in the big planetary crisis, again, either hasn't fully come to pass or has already ended. Yeah. So, yeah, they're they're lacking, like, very... A, because, like, they are not directly related to Final Fantasy. Like, they are they are side pieces. That That's not the right term. <laughs> uh, they, they're supplementary material for the games that they are part of, so they don't really have the legs to stand on their own. Yeah. But on top of that, like, you know... The good thing I can say about Final Fantasy XV is that, like, they have a lot of things that are recognizable, like, a lot of elements that are recognizably Final Fantasy. Cough, cough, spirits within, cough, cough. Yeah, that's the one thing they have over spirits within. You know, uh, they have Final Fantasy's, like, amazing visuals, but, like, yeah, they, they, they can't really stand on their own because they are in service to another arguably better story. yeah. So we've talked a lot about why the existing things don't work. Mm -hmm. So now, let's take a quick break, hop over to the playbill, talk a little bit about our housekeeping stuff, and when we come back, we'll see if we can't conjure up a version of this that will stand on its own legs. And will adhere a little bit better to the concepts of this franchise. So Dylan, yeah, what's up? Me, if I wanted concise and interesting commentary about an a semi-obscure 1980s anime, complete with two dorks talking about why they like the the genre that it falls into, and discussions about the overall themes of said anime, where would I turn? I'm glad you asked, Chris. Uh, it turns out that me and <laughs> I hope you our can help me with friend... my very specific query. <laughs> it turns out that. Uh, myself and our mutual friend, gentleman and scholar, Coop, we talk about the anime SDF Macross, and you can check that out on Dude, You Remember Macross. It's this old, charming show about, you know, soldiers in fighter planes fighting off alien invaders, um, and there is a lot of, there's a lot of kitschy romance, uh, there's a lot of music and singing. It's, it's this weird, like cocktail of um a war story uh with mecha giant robots um there's pop culture it's it's this really weird show that i think you know you should at least watch a couple episodes of check out see if you like it um but yeah no we we talk about it and we we really try to break down like the character motivations and the uh the themes of this show so if that sounds interesting to you you can check us out at dude you remember macross uh, you can find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash remember. Uh, we are also now on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Um, we have a Facebook, uh, Dude You Remember, that is D-U-D-E, and uh, Twitter at Dude You Remember. Uh, you can access us through any of those venues, and we will love you for it. <laughs> you should also take a look at our friends over at The Unexplored Places, an actual play podcast currently finishing up a run using Monster of the Week. Uh, before they're going to be starting up with season two. They're great fun. Uh, I've been re-listening to their show at work while I'm, you know, doing other things and just really enjoying all of the work they do. They're all great people. And Dylan and I have been lucky enough to uh, be invited to be part of their upcoming season two. And also we've been doing some stuff for their like interstitial stuff, their Patreon exclusive stuff. Uh, it's a great show full, made by great people, and you can find it by going to unexploredcast.libsyn.com 
Or you can follow them on Twitter at UnexploredCast, and you should definitely give them a look. You should also be listening to Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mystery. It's a really good, spooky audio drama uh, made by another alum of the school that Dylan and I went to. They recently put out episode 8 of their first season. I am in the very end of episode 12, having dreadful things happen to me, and it was a super fun uh, (laughs) thing to get to record with them. And so if you want to hear that, you should listen, but also you should just listen because it's a great, great narrative podcast, and you will have a very fun and unsettling time. And before we dive back into... uh, try to try to wrangle all of these thoughts about Final Fantasy together... I just want to say thank you all for listening. If you like what we're doing, be sure to leave a rating or a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. Share it with your friends and consider checking out our Patreon. Uh, We are now lucky enough to be able to say that this show is entirely funded by you, the listeners, and we're not losing money on it anymore, and that's amazing. But if you are not a patron and want to have access to uh, some blooper reels that I'm still in the process of editing together, but I'm going to be trying to fire those out as quickly as possible over the next few weeks if you want to be able to uh, help us to further the podcast and make it better and get better equipment and make more things uh, consider checking out patreon.com slash bsgpod and throw us your spare change and help us grow this weird thing that we're trying to do Uh, we love you very much you especially yeah you know who you are (laughs) kisses (laughs) (laughs) So Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Final Fantasy. Alright, okay, so quick summary of the pitfall pitfalls. Make your own story or like make a story that is self-contained. It can take place in a specific Final Fantasy world, I think. That is fine. But you need to introduce the characters or reintroduce the characters, establish a status quo, and you know, have it be its own complete story, not in service to something else. Yeah, that's like I mean, really, that's story writing 101. Yeah. So like, woof. I shouldn't. But... I shouldn't have. I shouldn't watch a movie and then be like, oh well, now I guess I have to play Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. <laughs> for for this two hour, two and a half hour time investment to feel worth it. Yeah. I'm honestly thinking about what we've been discussing, mm-hmm. and I think that the format that makes the most sense for a Final Fantasy adaptation, if we're talking about like film specifically would be like the miniseries yeah i I feel like that's what i was thinking too i think you could do a final fantasy movie but it would be like you know it would be star wars a new hope which isn't bad i like star wars a new hope but it would be star wars a new hope yeah yeah and i think that like again the reason that people are able to enjoy final fantasy and the reason that the, the story works over the course of so many hours when you're playing it as a game is in no small part because of this focus on, like, bringing this group of people together. And the group of characters coming together narratively as you're learning to bring them together mechanically. And so I think that a miniseries... Honestly, I think it would be really cool if, like, say that you decide your main... Your your core group is four people, four characters. Mm -hmm. Tell Tell me if this is something you would watch, Dylan. Okay. Episode one you see character A and you witness them living in their status quo under this, under whatever the regime that needs to be rebelled against is. Mm -hmm. You witness them have their inciting incident where they realize that they can't deal with this status quo anymore and you see them 
in their own personal struggle, and that episode ends with them stumbling into contact with the other three characters. Okay. Episode two, we do a little bit of a back skip. We follow another of the characters. We see their inciting incident. Maybe at like the halfway point, we intersect with the end of episode one, and we move the story a little bit further of them, of like the group together overcoming a few obstacles. Episode three, different character tapes, takes the spotlight. And again, we see like their inciting incident through to... So, so we see the buildup of all four characters before we, we mash them together. Exactly. And then, you know, each episode, or even do it as, uh, do it as flashbacks. I'm thinking mm-hmm. now of uh, one of a book that Dylan and I both love very much, The Lies of Locke Lamora, mm-hmm. which if you haven't read, go read it. It's phenomenal. It's by Scott Lynch, and it is a fantasy heist book. But what it, what it does that's really cool is each of the chapters that is the actual plot of the story that's being told... Between those chapters, you will get flashbacks that reveal information about the characters that you're following on this heist. And those flashback chapters are not necessarily chronological. You can kind of like piece them together and piece together the chronology as you read, but they'll typically be a flashback that informs either a scene that you've just seen in the previous chapter or will introduce something that comes to bear in the next chapter. And it's a very cool sort of like way of doing asynchronous storytelling. And I think that that would be a cool thing to touch into with, like, each... Hell, maybe have each section, each episode of this miniseries, the main plot advances slightly, but is being intercut with flashbacks. Like, mm-hmm. chap- episode one's flashbacks are all from character A, and episode two's flashbacks are all from character B, mm-hmm. and so on, until you get, like, episode five season finale, it's all in real time now. So... I, I like this idea. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna workshop it a, a yeah, touch. Yeah, of course. That's um, what we're doing. I guess the first thing that we have to touch on is that one of the biggest appeals of Final Fantasy, uh, particularly the earlier like first nine Final Fantasies, are that they are these huge globe trotting adventures. Yes. Um, and so I, th- the, I think the sense of scale is very important in yeah. these games. And I think more more than like introducing each character and getting a feel for them i feel like it might be a better idea to focus more on new locations and then like you know maybe because uh i i guess i'll use final fantasy 7 as like an example you don't know what the inciting incident is for barrett for example until you get to like the fourth or fifth town in the game and that's like 16 hours in dang but like you yeah, know i haven't when gotten you get, there yet <laughs> yeah when when you get there like you you, you know you know Barrett as, like, this very determined person who has a lot of anger against the Shinra Corporation, which is, uh, for all intents and purposes, FF7's empire. And you don't have the full context for that until you get until you get to his hometown. Actually, it's funny because, you know... Ah, oh man, that's really cool. I just realized something. So, Chris, you know how, like, a lot of JRPGs have the trope of the empire burned down my hometown and now I have to leave? Yeah. Barrett had that... Five years before the game starts. That's so good. I love that. Yeah. Um, Cut the fat a little bit. I love yeah. it. Well, not five years, but like, you know, three, three-ish years, two to three. Regardless. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. Because all, like, when you when you meet the character of Barrett, like, the only real context for him that you have is 
he's the leader of this and like of this rebellious uh terrorist organization and he has a four-year-old daughter who barrett is black this this girl is very much white or japanese or not black um <laughs> so like there's a little bit of mystery there and then you you get the payoff for that mystery you know so many towns down the line um that's really cool and so i i think it it would be more interesting if you know we had the main character actually now that i think about it even like final fantasy even doesn't like really go into like the main character's inciting instant uh because yeah, they... like you know in ff7 cloud is just a mercenary who happens to be traveling with yeah um, you you find out why much later down the road yeah um so i feel like you know we don't necessarily need to start just like final fantasy 7 um but it might be a better idea to start with the party altogether, like have like a little bit of mystery between them, um, and then you know, maybe we'll we'll give the main character some perspective after like our first quote unquote dungeon, um, yeah, or like you know like encounter with whatever antagonistic yeah. force they're doing. Maybe they're fighting the empire. Maybe they're saving a town from a monster, or something. Um, yeah, I like that. So started a little bit more like. Not necessarily in media's res, but like everyone's together, but it's early enough on that they're not gelled yet. Yeah, um, yeah I'm thinking like of that. like Cowboy Bebop, where you start okay, with okay. you start with like the first two crew members, but you know nothing about them. You just kind of see their their back and forth and their chemistry, and then in the second episode they get the dog, who like <laughs> isn't isn't really his own character, but, like, everyone loves him. I love him, too. Uh, but you, you get the third party member in episode three, and then it's, it's there, it, like, she is a new alien element. But we still don't really know a lot about these characters. It's not until episode five that we really start to learn uh, the main character Spike's background. Yeah, I think that, I think that the, the flavor of Final Fantasy definitely lends itself to that kind of slow burn... Mm-hmm. ensemble characters like coming together sort of aesthetic yeah and that i think also sim- like similarly works well with like a miniseries type format yeah i think a lot of a lot of the more popular stories in final fantasy they try to avoid the uh, main character being an everyman who due to sudden circumstances is thrust into uh, a position where they have to fight because final fantasy 4 actually starts with you as a soldier of the empire and then the first level is you burn down the dungeon you burn down an innocent town unwillingly <laughs> like you you escort you unwittingly escort a monster that burns down the town and you are so horrified by this that you decide to join or you decide to start your own rebel faction final fantasy 6 you play again as an imperial soldier but this time like she has been she's wearing a device that is like basically uh wiping her brain so yeah she's being she's being mind controlled for lack of a better yeah and so like the game proper starts like once that mind control has broken and she is now trying to find her own agency after being this tool for the empire final fantasy 6 um, is so fucking good <laughs> so it's so good eight you are a cadet at a mercenary school it's weird um but, like, you know, they, they do these things. Uh, in 9, you are a thief who was hired on a job to ki- to kidnap the princess. They they do a lot of these really cool things where, like, the status quo isn't you're an everyman and then something extraordinary happens to you. It's you are on a mission of some sort. 
uh, like, against your will or not, and something changes, and now the the trajectory that you are heading in has changed. Yeah. And you are meeting people that, like, continue to change your trajectory. I, we're, we're speaking in very broad terms, but I, I think, like... I think that that's, that's helpful, because, like, the problem with Final Fantasy's adaptations has never been... They've got plenty to draw on. There's plenty of good ideas to be had. Mm-hmm. It's been stumblings on, like, this sort of understanding of how to translate what people actually like about these games Mm -hmm. and what that meat of the engagement is. And I think that what we're getting at here is like, it's more broad than we've been on some of the, on the other two writers rooms. But I think that that's like, we're talking about an adaptation for a series of more than 20 games. (laughs) There's not really a way to be super specific. So here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. The main character is like, I gotta choose my words carefully, but like the the main character is part of like some some kind of relief effort. Uh, the the planet is slowly dying. Uh, let's say like there's like a water like the river the water in the river has become still due to like the crystal of water or something becoming corrupted, and so people don't have drinking water anymore. Something like that, and we start that adventure like. With this kind of mundane thing, like, this is a very routine, like, all right, we're, we're hand like, the main character is a member of the Empire, or, like, in some way is, like, associated, like, has a position of status. I'm really trying to workshop this. This is, this is the issue with, like, an hour and a half, or, like, an hour of writer's room. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, trying to, trying to hash out some concrete details. I don't know. I, I, I went with, like, that, because, like, that's something interesting where it's, like, it's a bit more everyday mundane, but... It's not so mundane that, like, you know, I could see this person, like, having self-defense or, like, having, you know, characters and relationships and an interesting position. Like, it's an interesting perspective than, like, I'm a villager and my village was attacked. Yeah. Which, there's nothing wrong with that as a kicking off point, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely, like, it's not in in the spirit of the franchise. I think I think it also is a good way to establish like the balance between the two pillars that I was talking about where yeah. like you have like this need for like nature. Like in Final Fantasy, nature is something that is that remains in balance by arcane forces. And usually it is the empire that is messing that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess that's why like a relief effort sounds interesting to me. Um because it is it is something not so antagonistic as to be a repeat of Final Fantasy IV, but it's also like there like we have this status quo where like there is already an issue that we are trying to fix, um, and so maybe I don't know. God, this is tough. Yeah. <laughs> like we can scrap this idea too. Like this is just like an idea that I had, and no, maybe I not it, even. I think it's a a very like in flavor idea. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure. And again, like like you said, we're. We're trying to hash this out in an hour and <laughs> figure it out as we go, which, you know, can lead to some cool things. But we're never going to get to, like, a fully written out, like, yeah, beat by yeah. beat. If nothing else, this has been a fun exercise in figuring out exactly why these haven't worked in the past. Yeah. I'm not I'm not ready to, like, throw in the towel just yet. <laughs> um like, I'm not saying, like, oh, we need to completely strip out a first episode yeah. now. But I, I think, like, talking a little... Like, because we've, we've talked about, like, what makes the stories in Final Fantasy work and what are trademarks of theirs. But I, I kind of want to hash out, like, you know, what would we do if we I had think, to do a miniseries? Mm-hmm. 
I like this idea of protagonist heel face turn is fun. Yeah. Having that start out, like, starting out on the side, having a realization that it is wrong. I also am very fond of this sort of, like, keep the characters, you know, engaging but not fully explained for a while. Mm-hmm. And let the let the motivations and let the relationships, let, let the relationships develop gradually and naturally and let history be revealed as necessary. Yeah. Because I think that's also a problem with a lot of the other Final Fantasy, th- like, not Spirits Within because it was its own IP, but, like, I've noticed a lot of, like, the supplementary type storytelling explains away mystery a little bit mm-hmm. more, like, they over-explain. Yeah. Final Fantasy Seven Advent Children, uh, that movie, status quo, and now... Uh, Kingscliff, now that I think about it, like both of those movies have their status quo detailed by narration. Ugh. Show, well, I mean, <laughs> filmmaking 101, show don't tell. Yeah. So, like, way to go. I, <laughs> I understand, like, you know, Lord of the Rings has a pretty good opening because, like, we see action in addition to the voiceover narration. Yeah, and even then, like, it's, it's classic and it works, but it, it is not, and maybe, you know... Maybe that is the most elegant solution to the Lord of the Rings problem of, like, how much world you need to understand. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, let's talk about that real quick. Because, you know, we all we need to know at the very beginning of the Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson adaptation is that Bilbo was on an adventure with a wizard named Gandalf. He found a magic ring, and now he is old and happy... Um, or, you know, somewhat happy. He's getting kind of restless. Yeah. Um, they could have introduced all of that world gradually over the course of the movie. mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it is wrong that they'd had that, like, opening cinematic with, like, the ancient battle and cast it into the fire and all that stuff. But I I, I think it gives us that necessary, like, we need to know where the ring comes from. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. I would be curious to see a version of Lord of the Rings that doesn't explain it at the beginning. And uh, that lets would be the, the books. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, but I mean... I know, I know. You know what I mean. Like, if the movie had taken that tack as well, it would have been a fundamentally different film. It's mm-hmm. not, like, I can't say with any kind of knowledge if it would be better or worse than the movies. I really love the Lord of the Rings movies. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, that's the kind of thinking and i think that for something like final fantasy it's much better to just like introduce the status quo through the world and through the interactions that the characters have rather yeah. than in this world yeah shinra runs <laughs> everything <laughs> like that would that is not how final fantasy's story has ever been told yeah we learned that exposition with uh you know, I guess to use Final Fantasy VII, sorry guys, uh, like, Barrett is angrily trying to get Cloud to care about the current goings-on, and I think that is, like, that is what we would need to do in a story like this. We would need kind of a moment where, like, this is something routine that suddenly becomes a serious issue. Yeah. Uh, so I guess, like, maybe they're doing a relief effort, the guy becomes emotionally attached to maybe our next party member... But, I like that. Uh, they're ordered to withdraw, and uh, there's there's a lot of ways we could do this. That like again, time. But yeah, I, and I, I, I think introducing like maybe even an element, if we're, especially considering like 
if we're going with this relief effort thing and he's not necessarily like part of, you know, the fantasy Gestapo, mm-hmm. having there be like an element of like, I know that what they're doing is wrong, but I also don't want to like turn around and fight them. Yeah. And then maybe having, you know, introducing some further element later down the line that forces that issue. Or maybe there's a group that is devoted to finding defectors that comes into play and it turns into like maybe rather than them actively trying to rebel at the beginning at the very least it's more of a like escape type situation like there's different ways to engage with this threat of to to use the term we've been using the empire yeah that would be interesting to look into and how that antagonistic relationship develops over the course of the series yeah and then it has, like, a boom moment where, like, it becomes, like, a all right, this is something we need to take care of. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I like the idea of, like, if we assume that, like, like other Final Fantasy games, the forces of nature are something that are divined by these arcane crystals, maybe the main character and his party member investigate a crystal and see, like, a conspiracy. Yeah. Like, maybe there is a team of the relief effort that is doing something to the crystal like maybe they're refining magic i i don't know but like yeah. there i i think like what is important is that like there are these touchstones of final fantasy that make this story a final fantasy story um that are important to consider and that need to be there and, and that haven't been there <laughs> yeah that haven't been there and when they have been there they've been like tacked on to a story that's already happened or is about to happen. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess like, yeah, there, there's like very essential, like setting of the stage that needs to happen. And I think that's like the biggest issue with like these movies is that like, they do a very poor job of establishing status quo. The yeah. later one spirits within again is fine. Just boring. <laughs> there's, there's no, em- there's no empire and spirits within. There's no, well, it's an empire um, of space ghosts. There's, <laughs> That's not the same thing. There's no, like, the world is already dead in Spirits Within. So there's... there's. It's not really a Final Fantasy movie at all. No. <laughs> in fact, we should just stop saying it is. Let's just, like, I'm glad we removed it from the conversation. I should stop <laughs> feeling compelled to mention it. Um, I don't want to I don't want to end the episode, but, like, I, I just... I feel like I don't really have much more to talk about that wouldn't be, like, us brainstorming for another hour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that we we got it to, you know, as cohesive a state as it can be given the format that we have to work with right now. Yeah, yeah. But I think that like again, making sure if we were if we were sitting down to actually script out what a Final Fantasy movie would be, the touchstones would be establish a status quo that is understandable, do it in such a way that feels elegant and figure out what the characters' individual motivations are, not just what they're doing as a party, but what they individually want, how they come to work together, how that fits into these larger dynamics about the nature and about, like, the status quo and the power system. It's a, like, can I just say, I feel for the people who had to make these movies. (laughs) It's, like, there's a lot about this franchise that, like, they have managed to pardon the pun, crystallize (laughs) over these, you know, over the last 30 years of these games being made. Yeah. Like at this point is second nature to the games, but like it's tricky to, to nail that. And it would be very, it it would be very challenging to translate that into another medium. And 
you know, I think it's possible. I would love to see like a Final Fantasy miniseries that felt like how the games feel. Yeah. I don't think you can do it in a movie. I think there's too much like the games Again, are I, I think you can, but like the issue is like you have to do that without being too similar to Star Wars. Yeah. And the games like the games are, you know, dozens of hours long for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's part you know, it's at least in part so that they can fit all of this storytelling and all of this nuance into it in a way that doesn't feel like an exposition dump. Yeah, I feel like, okay, so, like, assuming that we did a trilogy of Final Fantasy movies, and I, I know that we're, we're tagging this on to, like, the tail end of this episode, so I apologize yeah. to our listeners. If if we were to do a movie, I think the one way to make it distinct from Star Wars is to focus on the, the nature and the magic revitalization aspect and be like, oh, there's a monster here, that's the source. And then, like, you know, the ending stinger is like, no, the real villain is the government. <laughs> and then, like, you know... You Just like real life. That. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I feel like you could do a movie series, but, like, you know, you would have to focus on one pillar and then have the second pillar be the plot twist. Yeah. I think that would be another interesting... I think that would work pretty well. Yeah. All right. Man, uh, we, I, we, I think we, I think that's We took a hefty episode. one this week. Yeah. I, again, I apologize, guys. Um, I hope, we hope this you had flows fun. well. Uh, Chris, be sure to let me know when you edit this how... Uh, if we get it to a good spot. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Okay, it's not our best well. episode, we'll fix it in post. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we hope you... We, this was a little bit more... or I guess we, we, we came to a little bit less of a hard point than we did in our previous writer's rooms, but I still had fun like trying to untie this knot. I had fun bitching about Kingsglaive. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was worth it for that. Dylan finally got that off his chest. Oh, man. Dylan like, can breathe again. Kingsclave is fine. It's just, it's a symbol, it's a symptom of, like, a much bigger problem that the last couple of games have had. Yeah. But, yeah, we had fun. We hope you did. Uh, thanks for sticking with us through this episode. Thanks for sticking with us for 30 episodes. Um, yeah, holy shit, guys. And we will uh, we'll talk to you again next week. We've got a few different, like, guests lined up for the next couple of months. I mean, I who knows when so we'll be able to get everyone excited. on. I am so excited. Yeah, but like, it's gonna we'll be quite... to check their availability, obviously. Yeah, but it's going to be, uh, we've got a few special episodes coming up. Read that. And we hope that we will have you in the audience then as well. Thank you again for listening to Backstage Gaming. If you like what we're doing, be sure to check out bsgpod.com. That's where you can find all of our episodes. You can find bios for me and Dylan. You can reach out to us through our contact form. Other than that, we're available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, all kinds of places where you find podcasts, all kinds of podcatchers. That's the word. And if you like us, leave a review, leave a rating, tell your friends, help us grow, help us thrive, make my monster grow. It would help. It would really help. Uh, phrasing? No. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to check us out on social media, you should check out our Facebook, our Twitter, our handle is at BSG underscore cast, and we are also on YouTube. And if you like what we talk about, um, if you want to talk about, if you want to kind of spread the word, you should use that hashtag BSGpod. Um, also, huge, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for our key art. Um, if you dig that art style, you should check him out at brennanfrench.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N hyphen French.squarespace.com. You can also check him out on Instagram at instagram.com slash brennanfrencharts, no hyphen. And if you like our theme song that was provided to us by our good friend BioQuery, 
It is a piece he did called Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. It's super fun. He's got a couple of different EPs out on Spotify right now, one called Post-Human Angst that's all his stuff, and another called Lynx Volume 1 that is his production of a bunch of other uh, artists from around the country and the world that it's really fucking good. I was listening to it at the gym last week, and it's, like, real cool. But yeah, you should check him out. You can search BioQuery, that's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, on Spotify, or head to his SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. Also, please do, if you like what we're doing, check out our Patreon at BSGPod, or patreon.com slash BSGPod. Uh, it would be really, really cool if you could check it out and see about supporting us if you like what we're doing and want to help us do it more and do it better and do different things with this medium of podcasting that we are forcibly entering into. But yeah, it means the world to us that we are supported by Patreon so fully at this point, and now it's just a matter of building it up more so we can do more and more shit with it. So thank you to everyone who is a patron, and if you're not a patron, check it out and see if you like it. And we'll talk to you next week when we have... An episode that hopefully is a little bit less rambly. <laughs> we love you. I love you. Bye bye. <laughs>